0: And welcome to Buffy and the Art of Story Season 2. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, author of the Awakening Supernatural Thriller series and the QC Davis Mysteries, and founder of Writing as a Second Career.com. Today we're talking about season two, episode 12 bad eggs, in particular I'll talk about how we have two intersecting storylines here, which is not unusual for Buffy, but what is uncharacteristic is that neither of them has a lot of emotional weight. Also, the plot points here are difficult to pick out in both stories, and the pacing, also unusual in Buffy, feels a bit slow. We do have very strong foreshadowing, and much of this episode seems mainly to be setting up the next two-episode story arc, but you will need to tune into the spoilers for that as well as for what this story says about its theme of responsibility. Speaking of spoilers, as always, there will be none except at the end to talk about foreshadowing, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Bad Eggs was written by Marty Knoxon and directed by David Greenwald. The episode does start with that into every generation, a Slayer is born voiceover. That was also the case in Ted and I forgot to mention it. So that opening in both undercuts my theory from What's My Line 1 and 2, That we had abandoned that because the arrival of Kendra suggested that the slayer born into every generation wasn't quite right. So apparently that has nothing to do with why that opening changed. After our voiceover, we get our opening conflict. We start out with an establishing shot of the mall. A guy in a cowboy hat and a woman are walking together. We think this is just to give us the setting for the beginning of the episode, but it turns out this couple matters. Buffy is with her mom, Joyce. And they are arguing about an outfit Buffy wanted to buy. Joyce says, Buffy is too young to wear it. And we start out with some great quotes. Buffy says, yeah, I'm going to be too young to wear it until I'm too old to wear it. And Joyce says, that's the idea. Joyce asks Buffy to pick up a dress for her so Joyce can run to the printer for some flyers for the gallery. Everything is closing, and they're running out of time. Buffy is heading to the store to get her mom's dress, but at 1 minute 14 seconds in, as she goes up the escalator, she sees that couple from the opening shot. She is looking in a mirror and only the woman appears, not the man. So she knows he's a vampire. She turns around, runs up the down escalator to follow them, and goes into the back of the mall and into a game room. He's about to bite the woman. He says, something about her pretty neck first Buffy says boy you guys never come up with any new lines do you she claims to be an ex of the guy and the young woman runs when she sees his vampire face there is some fighting and bantering at three minutes 17 seconds in he says that she must be that slayer he's been hearing about and introduces himself as Lyle Gorch The fight continues, Buffy is getting the better of it, and Lyle says, this ain't over, and runs off. This is the story spark in the storyline about the Gorch brothers who have come to Sunnydale and decide to take out Buffy. So our story spark or inciting incident is what gets our plot rolling. Here though, as will be a theme in this episode, it's not completely clear because while this sets off the Gorge storyline, That does not seem to be the main plot. As we'll see, Buffy spends much more time on another storyline that doesn't begin until quite a bit later. Buffy meets Joyce, but she has forgotten the dress and now it is too late to go and get it. Joyce says something like let me guess you were distracted by a boy and Buffy says sort of and Joyce says don't you ever think about anything but boys and clothes and criticizes Buffy for being irresponsible this sets off the episode's theme which does run through it of responsibility and specifically that Buffy is being responsible but to her mother it appears that she is not We go to the credits, and we come back about five minutes in. Xander and Cordelia are kissing in the utility closet, but they are also pausing to argue. He prefers her not to talk. She wants to keep the lights off, and when he asks, she says it's not that she can't look at him. She just doesn't want to. They're hiding from their friends. They keep making out despite these differences we switch to sex ed class. The teacher talks about hormones, teenagers' experience, and how it can cause unwanted and repetitive thoughts about sex, making it hard to remember the negative consequences. And he asks the students to name some. We get a very fun scene where Cordelia talks about kicking the gear shift when parking and making out, which of course she says is about her friend, not her. Xander says, what about girls who don't floss. They bicker back and forth in the form of answering the teacher's questions. And finally, the teacher says he wants to hear from someone else. And Willow says, what about Pregnancy. Now we get the inciting incident or story spark in the main plot, but it is at seven minutes, 55 seconds in. So usually we see that story spark at about 10% in, and the episodes are typically 43 or 44 minutes long, which is what seems odd here because we have that gorgeous story spark a tiny bit early, and then we have this one almost eight minutes in, but it does set off our main plot which is the health teacher gives all the students eggs. They are supposed to treat the egg as if it were their offspring and protect it and take care of it. They're told to choose a partner and pick an egg. In the library, Willow brings Buffy an egg. Buffy missed class because she was researching the gorches with Giles. Buffy picks up the egg and says, as far as punishments go, this is fairly abstract. And Willow explains it's not a punishment for her missing class. It is an assignment. Buffy asks who her partner is, but there was an odd number, so she has to parent her egg alone. Buffy finds this somewhat depressing, saying she is doomed to repeat her mother's life. Xander says they need to take care of their eggs and teach them Christian values, to which Willow responds, my egg is Jewish. Giles brings us back to the important topic, the Gorches. He says that Lyle Gorch is a fellow of some repute. He has a brother named Tector, and the two massacred an entire village in 1886, and that was before they became vampires. He also says they are not great thinkers, and they're probably drawn by the Hellmouth energy, but Buffy should not underestimate them. Willow suggests maybe Angel could help her find the Gorches, Xander scoffs, saying he sees a lot of hunting done in that scenario, and Buffy says something like, oh please, they're not slaves to passion, grow up. But the next scene, we see her and Angel making out in the graveyard, trying unsuccessfully to take breaks and hunt for vampires, but being distracted by each other. This is around where we should see a one-quarter twist in the plot. It typically comes from outside the protagonist and spins the story into in a new direction. It is a little hard to find that here at eleven minutes nineteen seconds in, the Gorge Brothers are watching Buffy and Angel kissing. One says, "Isn't that angelous with her?" And how come she's not slaying? And how come he's about to make me blush? This tells the audience some exposition that Angel was a vampire and emphasizes how well known he was in the vampire world. Unlike a lot of Buffy exposition. Which comes in through conflict that in itself is engaging. This just has never drawn me in. The whole Gorch brothers, they bicker a bit. We see sibling rivalry between them. Tector is saying they should go ahead and go after Buffy. Lyle says that they should wait until she's alone. And he tells Tector he has a plan. It's not that he's afraid. None of this seems all that compelling to me. Uh, Each time I watch, I'm just not very interested in the gorge brothers but it does seem to be a bit of a twist i suppose in that they are going to hold off and look for an opportunity to prey on buffy when she is by herself we do get a twist in the egg story this is about 13 minutes in a little late for a one quarter turn buffy comes home at night she has her egg at her bedside and during the night tentacles break through the egg and wind into Buffy's nose and ears, which always creeps me out. This definitely turns our story in a whole new direction because now we are focused on the eggs and the danger they pose and not so much the gorches. Nonetheless, we switch to the gorges and see them bicker a little bit more, Lyle saying they need to stay low profile, Tector wanting to stay in a nicer place than uh, where they are, which seems to be some sort of giant dream pipe, and they also try to figure out why is Angelus getting all cuddly with the Slayer. In the morning, Buffy wakes up. Her egg is magically intact, so she doesn't know anything happened with it, but she does feel groggy. Joyce jokes with her about whether her egg kept her up all night. In the library, Willow and Buffy and Xander are all there because teen health got canceled. The teacher is out. Buffy and Willow both seem listless, but Xander has plenty of energy. In fact, he's tossing his egg around and joking, which shocks everyone, especially when it rolls on the floor and doesn't break. It turns out he hard-boiled it to ensure it stays intact. Willow is quite shocked and says, you boiled your young. The audience sees that there is an egg behind a book that Giles is reshelving, but he doesn't see it. So there we have dramatic irony where the audience knows something that the characters don't and here it is used to create more suspense. Cordelia comes into the library says the health teacher is missing and presumed dead. They ask presumed dead by who and she says by her and she has a point it pretty much never is good when a teacher is missing in Sunnydale. Cordelia though is thinking about something else. She tells Xander they should look around for the teacher. Xander says that can wait. They're researching but she says pointedly that maybe the teacher would fall out of a closet so they should check some closets and Xander says right there might be closets and they leave we get another great quote Willow says are they getting weirder have you noticed the weirdness of them and Buffy agrees they are weird the next scene is at the cemetery again Buffy and Angel once more kissing she says they should go kill the bad guys But he tells her to go home, get some rest. He'll hunt for her. And she says, you'd do that? Of course he would. And she tells him about homework she has to do, including about her egg assignment, this triggers a conversation about how Angel can't have children, and she says that's okay. She figured there were all sorts of things vampires couldn't do, including having little vampires, but she does look a bit sad. And he says, "So you don't think about the future?" And she claims she doesn't. And Angel says, "You really don't care what happens 5 years from now?" Buffy says, "Angel, when I look into the future, all I see is you. All I want is you." He says he knows the feeling and kisses her this is about 21 minutes 12 seconds in so it is very close to the midpoint of our episode and it is close to the midpoint of the season it is a 22 episode season this is season 12 the middle of season 12 so it's a little bit late but really close to that season midpoint usually at a midpoint we see a major commitment by the protagonist or the protagonist suffers a reversal. Here, I'm not really finding that. You could say that dialogue is something of a commitment to the Buffy-Angel relationship. That isn't really what this episode is about. I'll talk a little more about that in spoilers and how that fits into the season arc. For this episode, though, Buffy and Angel are not even quite a side plot. It's more like an ongoing background um, character development for the two of them. And as to the two plots we have here, there isn't a really strong commitment or reversal in either. At 22 minutes in, we're at the high school at night. A security guard sees the basement door open and he goes down and the lights are out. Uh, Basements like locker rooms, almost never a good place in Sunnydale. He investigates, moves some stacked up boxes and sees a big hole in the wall with a sort of tunnel the missing teacher comes up behind the security guard and knocks him out at about 23 minutes in Buffy climbs into her window after being out with Angel, and she sees her egg shaking. The tentacle thing breaks out. It looks a little bit like a lobster or a shrimp. It scrambles under her bed. She fights it and slays it with her scissors. At 25 minutes in, she calls Willow to ask how Willow's egg is. Willow says it's normal, it's in the fridge, and suggests that probably the gorches set a trap for Buffy. After Willow hangs up, though, we see that her egg is cracked open and empty. This is almost 26 minutes in, and we go to a commercial break. That we see Willow, who has just lied to Buffy, is more dramatic irony. And I suppose could be a reversal for Buffy, but it is quite a bit past the midpoint and doesn't really seem to change anything in the story. It just further develops what we already knew that these eggs had these tentacle things in them. Joyce comes in, demands to know who Buffy was talking to and more so why Buffy is dressed in the middle of the night and where does she think that she's going. Joyce grounds Buffy and this too could be seen as a reversal for her except that we know in terms of slang Buffy can pretty much always get out of her room at night to do that. Joyce is quite angry and her lecture is still going the next day as she drives Buffy to school. She tells Buffy, to go to the library after school and stay there and study until Joyce picks her up at 5 30. Outside Buffy sees Cordelia who is wearing a stuffed bear as a backpack. Buffy says nice bear and is about to ask Cordelia something else but Cordelia breaks in she goes on a rant about how her dad bought her this bear way back from another country and now it's become so trendy to wear these backpack bears and she wasn't going to do it but she figured she started this trend she might as well embrace it and Buffy says okay soliloquy girl and goes on to tell her she just wanted to know if Cordelia's egg is acting strangely in another great quote Cordelia says it isn't acting anything it's an egg Buffy it doesn't emote and she says her egg is safe inside her bear. Willow tells Buffy to bring the creature Buffy Slade to the science lab after school and they will autopsy it. We see that on Willow's back between the bottom of her shirt and the waist of her jeans there are tentacles. Xander cracks his hard-boiled egg to eat it and just before he takes a big bite sees the creature inside and screams. This is one of my favorite moments in the episode. It is just so much fun and seems so very genuine. At 28 minutes, 48 seconds in, Xander, Cordelia, Willow, and Buffy stand around this creature in the science lab. Buffy says she's not dissecting it. She slayed. She's done. Willow rolls her eyes and is about to get started. Behind Cordelia, we see a tentacle poking out of the bear's eyes, and she bends down to pick up something we don't see. Our friends are speculating about what the creature is. Willow starts talking about the Mama Bazaar and her offspring in a very matter-of-fact voice. So it takes a second or two for Xander and Buffy to realize what she's saying is really strange. Before it sinks in, Cordelia hits Buffy with what's a long stick or an axe, I'm not sure which, And Willow hit Xander with some sort of big urn. They are both knocked out. In some ways, it seems strange that Buffy is so easily overcome. But I think this fits with something that we see in the series, which is that Buffy is most vulnerable when she is around people she trusts. She didn't have any reason to think Cordelia was going to attack her. So Cordelia was able to take her unaware. At almost 30 minutes in, Cordelia and Willow, with help from a couple other students, put Xander and Buffy in the closet, the same one that Xander and Cordelia were making out in earlier. This could be a three-quarter plot turn. Usually that major plot turn grows from the reversal or midpoint commitment, and it spins the story yet again in a new direction. As with the other plot points, it's a little bit hard to pick out major turns here. Perhaps more of a turn is that we see a group of students all grabbing axes from what looks like maybe the auto shop. I'm not sure why they have so many axes, but it's Sunnydale, so there you go. They all look a bit zombie-like, and they go down into the basement into the tunnel. The health teacher is there standing guard. Oh, and I guess these are, these are pickaxes because they're going to be digging with these or breaking up concrete. At 31 minutes in, Joyce is in the library looking for Buffy. Giles comes out and tells her Buffy hasn't been there that afternoon. Joyce says it's the last straw, and she rants a bit about Buffy not doing what she's told. She asks Giles if he has children. He says no, though sometimes he feels like he has many of them, given his work at school. Joyce says children can be such a I don't want to say a burden and she laughs a little and says actually I do want to say burden. He says feel free and she says that Buffy is so irresponsible. I have heard Joyce as a character criticized for this burden statement. I'm not a parent myself, I have to imagine that parents sometimes do feel this way, so the criticism is more I guess that Joyce would say this. This is a really interesting character moment though and I think something as writers that we can learn from because a character doesn't always have to be likable. Joyce here is saying something that many people may feel at least some of the time. No one is overjoyed with whatever they're doing all the time and the fact that Joyce is saying this could be disturbing to people in real life but as a character I think it allows people to empathize with her and to identify with her another thing about this is it does something that overall Buffy is so good at which is to help viewers recognize and deal with things in their own lives and maybe this is totally me projecting but when I watched this I was I was early early 30s had a lot of issues with my mom We had got along pretty well when I was younger, but a lot of issues later. And seeing Joyce really helped me understand something that probably I should have gotten sooner, that my mom was a person who was not perfect, who was not always going to say the right thing, who sometimes was just going to blurt out something that might be hurtful or say something she strongly felt in the moment, but that did not mean that that was her whole attitude toward me or toward parenting or toward life. And seeing that Joyce overall could have a fairly good relationship with Buffy and yet have these moments really help me, I feel like, grow up and mature in my view of parents and parenting. Joyce then notices the books on the card catalog and says, Bristol's Demon Index? Hell's Offspring? Giles closes up the books and takes them to the book cage and says, a hobby of mine, but having nothing to do with Buffy in any way. His denial about it having to do with Buffy is really nice. It's a great clue to what's truly going on. And this is a good dialogue tip. Often a character who is worried about uh, another person making a connection or who is wanting strongly to deny something utters a denial when it's not necessary. He could have simply said a hobby of mine. That would have been much less obvious than pointing out that it immediately made him think about Buffy or that he was worried about Joyce connecting it to Buffy. This also shows us something Interesting in the story because in a moment we'll find out that Giles has been infected or taken over by one of these tentacle creatures, yet he is still himself to some extent because he is still concerned that Joyce not connect Buffy and vampires. So it raises an interesting question of how much of the person is still there. I see this almost as an analogy to vampires because we see that some of them, as the series goes on and what we've seen so far, some seem to become very different when they become vampires to lose their humanity. Humanity entirely or who they were and others like Spike and Drusilla seem to hold on to much of their past and much of who they are although that is somewhat undercut a little bit later as we'll see. Now we get to the point that might also be a three-quarter turn. Giles distracts Joyce and drops a creature onto her back and she screams. That's about 32 and a half minutes in. And now Joyce is in danger too. So perhaps as much as anything else, this does spin the story in a new direction. Because now Buffy not only is dealing with what happens to people at the school, but to her mom. Buffy and Xander wake up in the closet... There are two eggs in there with them. Buffy smashes both of them just as they are starting to shake. This was pretty handy timing in that the eggs didn't hatch until the two of them woke up. They can't find Giles. They see the broken egg, and they know that he has been possessed too. Giles and Joyce are in the basement along with a bunch of students who are hacking away at the concrete floor. As they dig out concrete, we see that underneath is a giant sort of slimy being. Other students are carrying out more eggs in baskets to distribute to other people in the school. This too could be a three-quarter turn because now we know There is this big monster here, what Willow referred to as the Mama Bazor. This too, though, is coming pretty late. It's very close to the climax. And like the other turns that I thought could be a three-quarter turn, it just seems more like another step in this developing plot. Upstairs, we see Jonathan, poor Jonathan, being the victim again. He was screaming, but by the time Buffy and Xander get out into the hall from the library, he says, I'm fine, and claims it was, I think, a a wasp or a bug, and he walks off zombie-like. They follow him to the basement. Xander pretends to be a zombie too. I guess the mama bazaar isn't really aware who's under her control and who isn't. So he's able to fake it. He follows Cordelia, who is carrying one of the baskets of eggs. Buffy goes for the weapons in the shop. But as luck would have it, the gorges are there to fight her. She tells them it's really not a great time. They talk about how cute and little she is. And she fights off Tector and goes back into the main area where the Mama Bazaar is. Lyle follows her in and says, What the hell is this? That's about 38 minutes in and sets off our climax. Willow enjoys notice Buffy. Buffy says, Mom? And Willow, very cold, says, Kill them. So here, Willow is acting like she does not remember who she is at all. Now, is that different from Giles? Maybe, maybe not. It could be just that the Mama Bazaar has complete control when it comes to what she's trying to do, which is apparently reproduce. And then otherwise, people still retain their own memories. Ultimately, doesn't really matter to the plot either way, which is also a bit unusual in Buffy, and probably is an additional reason why I feel like this story is just not that compelling. Lyle Gorch fights with Buffy as the others, including Giles, attack her, and uh, Buffy and Lyle repel them, but when they get a spare moment, they also turn and fight each other. Lyle's banter reminds me a little bit of Spike. He's sort of like Spike Light, a stand-in for someone to take that role while Spike is missing from our season storyline. At 39 minutes or so in, Xander tries to stop Cordelia, He doesn't want to hurt her, but she takes a swing at him, uh, slugging him pretty hard, and he punches her, and it knocks her to the floor. Hector Gorch is back. He comes in, but he sees this slimy creature. It has a giant eye that opens, and he seems to think it's cute. He says, well, hello there, and its tentacle grabs him and drags him in. Both Lyle and Buffy look horrified, but Lyle quickly turns to her and says it is all her fault. He throws her on the ground. Joyce swings a pickaxe at Buffy. Fortunately, she misses, but that's another Suggestion that either the creature just completely takes over when it comes to its own survival or um, reproduction, or that Joyce is taking out her hostility uh, on Buffy. Because Buffy is vulnerable, the tentacles are able to grab her and drag her in, but Buffy grabs a pickaxe on the way. So we can't see her. She's been pulled underneath. We hear lots of grunting and roaring and slashing. The zombie people seem frozen while this fight for the mama bazaar's survival and Buffy's life is going on. With more slashing and groaning, they all pass out. Buffy climbs out triumphant and exhausted as Lyle watches. She's covered in dark slime. She glares at him. And he says, all right, it's over and runs both plots have been wound up there in that climax I think the mama bazaar is the main plot because more time and energy was devoted to it than the gorches but in a way neither one feels like it quite has enough for a full story there to me We're in our falling action at 41 minutes, 17 seconds in. Everyone is being herded out of the basement. Giles is saying things about a gas leak and telling everyone they'll be fine, get some rest. They all look pretty dazed. Giles asks Xander what really happened, and Xander says just stick with the gas leak. Buffy finds her mom, asks how she is. Joyce looks confused, but she is relieved that Buffy is okay. Buffy claims she just heard about the gas leak. She was in the gym. She has since changed her clothes, so she's no longer covered in slime, and she's in sweats. Joyce tells her she has to learn some responsibility once and for all. She was supposed to go to the library, and she wasn't there. Buffy's already grounded, so now she is confined to her room. In the next scene, Buffy and Angel are kissing... And we see trees in the background. He says, is she sure she won't get in trouble? The camera backs off as Buffy says she's not breaking any rules. And we see that she is standing in her room. Angel is outside on the roof and they are kissing through the open window. That is the end of the episode. There was no DVD commentary for this, but there is a lot of foreshadowing of the next two episodes, so if you want to hear that, stay tuned for the spoilers section. Other than that foreshadowing and some scenes that build further on the Buffy and Angel relationship, we really could lift this whole episode out, and it would make no difference to the season arc. We already know Cordelia and Xander are involved, and while Buffy and Angel's relationship progresses, that could have been worked into Ted, although I did like, as I mentioned last Monday, that we did get that sense. Of Buffy and Angel connecting emotionally more. We got up for the really good parts of their relationship. So I do like that we got that first and then this episode is more focused on their attraction to each other. Plus Ted didn't have a lot of um, places that I think we could cut to fit in more Buffy and Angel. All the same though here, so much of this episode felt like filler. Uh, In a 22 episode season, it's not unusual to see a one-off episode That doesn't advance the season story arc. But part of why this episode falters a bit, in my view, is that we don't have those strong plot points. Uh, Yes, the story progresses. We have the next thing that happens, the next thing, the next thing in both plots. We have that initial major turn with the creature poking its tentacles out of the egg. But beyond that, we don't seem to have these well structured plot turns that we usually see. Bad eggs does feel a bit cobbled together like maybe they had this egg storyline they had the gorgeous storyline and they wanted to develop Buffy and Angel and so it all just kind of got put together and none of it is really gripping and the pace is a bit slow which is so unusual for Buffy because usually even in those one-off episodes um, Ted for instance was a one-off but it moved pretty fast Uh, like Ted this has an interesting theme of responsibility but unlike Ted standing alone we don't really see uh, that come to any resolution we don't really say anything about it because Joyce begins being upset at Buffy for being irresponsible she ends being upset at her and we see in the middle and we have always known that Buffy is in fact very responsible so that doesn't seem to be saying anything new other than as I'll talk about it does set up some things for later in the season. However, I do love some of those great lines that I quoted, and that is often the case with episodes that Marty Noxon writes that I really love her dialogue. So that is it for Bad Eggs other than spoilers. If you're not staying around, thank you so much for listening. I hope you will come back next Monday. We will talk about Surprise, the first half of a two-part story that ends in Innocence. As I remember, no pacing issues there. Um, I'm expecting we're going to see some very strong plot points, character development. I'm really excited to talk to you about it. And we are back for spoilers. So much of this episode I see as being here mainly to bring us to the point we need to be in the next episode, Surprise and Innocence, the second half of it. Those of you who have seen the whole series, and I hope that you have if you're listening to this, know that those are the episodes where Buffy and Angel, at the end of Surprise, have sex for the first time. And angel turns so this entire theme of the negative consequences of sex and of responsibility and of thinking things through all set the stage for that episode we also get uh, Lyle and Tector through their argument reminding us of Angelus and emphasizing how he was known throughout the vampire world Lyle also foreshadows a little bit of season three because he will be back in the episode where we have Slayer Fest, a sort of reality TV show like game that a uh, master villain vampire sets up and Lyle Gorch and his wife will be back as contestants. And I found Lyle pretty fun in that episode. So it's sort of nice to get that introduction to him here. We also have Willow foreshadowing her finding out about Cordelia and Xander when she comments on the weirdness of them. And I feel like this sets up what she says in innocence where she says she knew it, not in the sense of actually knowing that they were involved, but knowing something was not right, that something um, strange was happening. This conversation with Angel where he says he can't have little vampires, that sets up that there's no need for Buffy and Angel to worry about birth control in the next episode when they have sex. And there is irony there because the consequences are um, so epic. Also, in that same conversation when Buffy is saying, Angel, when I look in the future, all I see is you, Joyce will echo this sentiment toward the end of season three when she goes to Angel and tells him that he needs to think about the future because Buffy is like any other young woman in love. And I'm pretty sure Joyce says something like, all she sees is you, and Joyce urges him to be the more responsible one about the relationship. And this brings me to that idea of the Angel and Buffy conversation serving almost as a midpoint for the season. In my recollection, I had thought the actual literal midpoint of the season was the end of surprise, that major reversal for Buffy. But that is a little bit later because that is episode 13. So that is a bit past the midpoint. Nonetheless, I see that as the real midpoint of this season and everything after is driven by that reversal and immediately before it I'll talk about it more next week Buffy obviously does fully commit to the Angel Buffy relationship so this is not so much a midpoint as maybe a foreshadowing of that midpoint like so much in this episode it's also interesting to me when I was looking at quotes I was struck by Buffy's comment about the egg. When she thought it was being given to her for being absent. And she says, as punishments go, this is fairly abstract. I can't help but wonder if on some level that too was foreshadowing consequences from sex. Last week I talked about Buffy and philosophy and an essay in that book that uh, where the author said that sex in Buffy that it has sort of an, an open-minded view about it but there are always consequences. There are always negative consequences. There's no free sex. I've been thinking about this and I feel like it's more in Buffy there are consequences to everything. It is also consequences to love. It's It's not just sex it's love it's any relationship almost nothing ends well and we see it played out in a metaphorical way just as we will see this idea of the consequences of sex being played out on an epic scale between Buffy and Angel. It's also interesting this framing of the negative consequences of sex and they talk only about pregnancy here and we have this whole theme of the mama bazaar wanting to reproduce herself and that being very damaging particularly to the students but also to the adults around them in an episode where we have Joyce talking about the burden of children. So in some ways, this seems like a really negative view of reproduction generally. This reference, though, not to consequences, but punishment in Buffy's quote foreshadows her feeling at the end of innocence that she is being in a way punished for having sex with Angel for not foreseeing those consequences. I really want to talk about that now but I won't. I just think Giles is so wonderful in the way that he tries to help her through that and that too I think is making a comment on um, perhaps distinguishing between between the idea of punishment versus consequences. That's really um, abstract, speaking of abstract. So hopefully I can be more uh, concrete and specific about it when we actually get to those episodes. But I, it really jumped out at me as I was pulling out quotes from the episode that that quote about punishment was there. That is all I have for this episode. If you find these discussions of plot points and conflict helpful, you may want to check out my book, Super Simple Story Structure, A Quick Guide to Plotting and Writing Your Novel. It's available in ebook, audiobook, or workbook forms, and there is a link in the show notes. Or you can ask online at your local library and borrow a copy of the audiobook. Book for free. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at Lisa M. Lilly, that's L-I-S-A, M is in Marie, L I L L Y, hashtag Buffy Story, or email me, Lisa at Lisa You can also find my fiction, including mysteries and supernatural thrillers, at lisalilly.com. And you can find articles on writing, time management, and publishing at writingasasecondcareer.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will come back next Monday for Surprise, the first half of a two-part episode. Music for this episode was composed and performed by Robert Newcastle, Buffy and the Art of Story, is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC. Copyright 2020.